Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to another All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. And we're excited to be back in the studio with you. We hope you enjoyed our recent episodes on WrestleMania 22 and our demolition profile and bad assery. We hope you had a good time listening to those. As always, you can find us on the interwebs at allthewrestlemanias.com. You can shoot us an email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitters at WrestleMania Pod. And of course, we have our very active and uh, engaging Facebook and Instagram sites, thanks to Rich, our social media manager extraordinaire. So check those out for sure. We've continued to get uh, some good comments, suggestions, uh, requests for show reviews through our social media things. So if you're into that, you know, shoot us a note. We'll probably review what you ask us to uh, within limits. We got, we got nothing else to do, literally. So for this episode, this is a Not Just WrestleMania's episode. Um, We're going back to 1989. We're going to take a look at WrestleWar 89 from May 7th from the Nashville, Tennessee Municipal Auditorium, the Music City Showdown. Attendance was around 5,200. Got Jim Ross and Bob Cottle on commentary. This was a show produced by WCW under the NWA banner, sort of similar to the Chi-Town Rumble, uh, which was the previous pay-per-view for WCW and the reason that we're reviewing this one. Well, the reason why is because one, it is the follow-up to the Chi-Town Rumble and it features the third match uh, between Ricky Steamboat and the nature boy, Ric Flair. And the first match at Chi-Town Rumble was a barn burner and possibly the best match that we've watched for this podcast and the one on this one may beat it. I, there's... It's pretty damn good. It's pretty yeah. damn good. It also means we probably have to go back then and watch their second match, which was from Clash of Champions number which six. one? Six. Clash so, of Champions six. Yeah. Yeah. We. Uh, yeah. So that the Chi Town Rumble led us down the Ric Flair Ricky Steamboat. Uh, rabbit hole as it were um and then that led us to the wrestle war 89 but it actually ended up being worth a watch i would say it's a little bit of a weird show but um there's some there's some good stuff here there's some dated stuff and there's some strange choices maybe but uh, overall halfway decent yeah and it's fun to see the stuff that what's happening because this is the birth of wcw still here uh and the production value from the Chi Town Rumble to this, there, there's a there's a big improvement. It's not still as polished as the WWF's product, but it's very clear that like that Ted Turner money is starting to flow in a little bit. Uh, there's a couple more camera angles. There's like an extra camera ringside. There's some pyro. There's entrance music that requires royalties. So there's there's a lot of interesting things. There's great clip art. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. the spiked banjo is that they use as a logo for this uh, event is a thing of beauty. Yeah, I would I would buy a t shirt with that on it. I'm, I need to um, do some web searching. Somebody has to have made a replica by now. I'm sure I can't afford an original, but no. um, there's got to be a replica out there. Um, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Now on the VHS cover of this program that banjo is there and it is covered in blood. So it's even more hardcore. Uh, The other thing is interesting is to put this in perspective, just so you get an idea of production quality comparisons. This was 
a month after WrestleMania 5. You can already see that there's such a clean, polished product coming out of WWF because WrestleMania 5 is spectacular looking. It's clear. It's in a big arena. It has 19,000 attendees. So that gives you an idea also of the draw the WWF is pulling compared to NWA slash WCW. But also they have Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and they have entrances and uh, camera cinematography is a lot better than what the WCW is pulling off. Like the WCW camera work still kind of looks like your grandpa holding the camcorder at your dance (laughs) recital kind of look to it as opposed to WWF has uh, producers looking for camera angles to make the men look bigger. So they're shooting from below, especially when it's like Andre the Giant or Hulk Hogan. They want you to see these big personalities in a physically big presentation while WCW and NWA, you just have kind of like, well, here's a guy rolling out to the ring and the commentators tell you he's big. He doesn't necessarily look big because they're all big. Uh, WWF does a better job with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think by now, too, the WWF guys are understanding a little bit better the role of the cameras and how they are being shot and they are starting to play to it with that's something that we've noted with um you know with Bret Hart and some other guys a little bit later in the sort of development of all this um they they specifically go for uh you know particular setups or moves so that the camera can catch the best angle on it um so that's something that is not at all on the the on the radar here for the for the talent in no. WCW and it's so funny you mentioned that like they that was even just in that uh one of the last episodes of young rock where uh the debut of rocky Maivia and fence was like you did a great job but you didn't talk to the hard cam you turned your back to the camera the entire time um so it's definitely interesting that even like in fictional sitcoms that perspective of wwf being camera aware and aware of how its product looks on television is is prominent as opposed to how wcw it seems like the event is much more catered to the people that paid for a ticket to be there yeah 100 percent. the other interesting thing that i um, noted in terms of contrast is real early on like maybe right after the kind of opening commentary there's a fan holding up a sign that says nwa we wrestle um, which tells you all you need to know about sort of the you know the product that they're selling you know that other thing is sports entertainment it's uh soap opera it's um you know whatever it is this is actual wrestling this is the nwa that's what you're going to get here so i think that's an interesting perspective yeah jim ross actually during the rick flair um ricky steamboat match actually makes a comment uh that and they're taking a shot at hogan and the wwf where uh, jim ross says they're not out here posing with rock and roll music <laughs> um, this is the this is the NWA, and that they're here to fight and they're here to wrestle. So there's already this concept of like WWF is you know for the kids it's kind of a circus act, and WCW uh, NWA is the real deal. This is where they really wrestle, and I mean we even see that develop into like the slogan that um, Eric Bischoff drops on WCW with Nitro that this is where the big boys play and like their whole perspective even then with Nitro that which is 
couple years after this where they're talking about how their guys fight under their real names or at least real sounding names and not so many gimmicky things like an IRS agent or a trash man or a pig farmer or a clown <laughs> or a paramedic as we noted or... <laughs> on our demolition episode <laughs> a paramedic the most terrifying gimmick of all <laughs> <laughs> they'll run an IV on your soul oh no all right so <laughs> speaking of rock and roll um, versus the nwa we get the national anthem by the oak ridge boys so it's a little harder it's hard to, to think of kind of a of more uh noticeable departure from um you know the the rock and roll hawk hogan um and the oak ridge boys actually come back for a little mini concert i think they did seven or eight songs that is unfortunately not on the peacock once again royalties uh, and the complications thereof strike again, causing us to miss some classic country music. We missed the Waylon Jennings uh, show on the uh, Wrestle Rock that we reviewed not too long ago. And now we have to miss the Oak Ridge Boys. God damn it. It is funny that they're like taking shots at WWF with rock and roll and posing. And then they actually stop their wrestling show to do a concert with the <laughs> Oak Ridge Boys. Um the Oak Ridge Boys mm. nail it with the national anthem. It is a beautiful rendition. They sound uh, great. Yeah, yeah, they sound great. It was interesting though that in the opening sequence of the show, it's just like the like the title cards, and they're like on the show, Ric Flair, the Road Warriors, the Oak Ridge Boys. Like, oh, who are the Oak Ridge Boys fighting tonight? I want. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that. All Oak four Ridge Oak Ridge Boys, Boys versus Doctor Death, Steve Williams. <laughs> my money's still on dr death steve williams 100 yep. <laughs> percent. that guy's a beast so i started to look at did your did your um dad listen to the oak ridge boys i feel like everybody's dad listened to the oak ridge boys i'm per- i'm pretty sure my dad probably still listens to the oak ridge boys so. <laughs> i always mix them up with alabama alabama perpetually played the york fair which was the big county fair where i grew up yeah and uh i, I they were still playing there even after they had their like retirement tour they still like hit the york fair um and i i if you stood alabama and oak ridge boys up next to each other i I couldn't tell you which was which i don't mean that to demean them at all they just weren't on my musical radar when it comes to country music they're not in my um in my wheelhouse i so i started to do a little digging i'm like okay so which are these the original oak ridge boys and then it got it got super complicated super quick and i i sort of gave up i think this is three of the four originals and then they had a replacement for one of the guys roughly from 87 to the early mid nineties, which would have uh, overlapped with this show. Um, and then that original guy came back. So my point was I was trying to f- figure out if I needed to include any of them in the in memoriam. Um, and so I, I couldn't figure it out. So I apologize if we miss that when we get there. Yeah. I mean, it does look like there's been 30 members of the Oak Ridge boys. <laughs> there's a lot looking at their, looking at their- <laughs> wikipedia but i mean you also expect that when they've been active since 1947 that was their first recording back when oak and ridge were two words uh so it's that's kind of an interesting thing like the the one way that i keep them separated from other things is that the oak ridge boys uh were also kind of gospely christian uh country and not just country-ish so yeah uh, i do remember that but these guys man they laid out a national anthem that was spectacular and very memorable it was probably one of the best music performances that we've had in this podcast and shows that we're watching and their wikipedia by the way has an amazing graph on it 
trying to show you the lines of when certain people were members of the Oak Ridge Boys, and it's really hard to decipher. <laughs> I don't like. Oh my god. <laughs> Which uh, which do you think has had more members over the years, the Oak Ridge Boys or uh, Parliament and Funkadelic? I feel like it's probably Parliament because uh, everybody's been a member of Parliament at some That's point. True. I've been in Parliament probably. <laughs> I think I we were both in it. it. Yeah, we were in it at the right. same time, right? <laughs> like if you go to one of their shows, you're in the band now, I think. Um, <laughs> they at least get you high enough to make you think that you've been in the show. Yeah. I did see them, actually. They came to the University of Maryland. It was amazing. Um, yeah. That was when Gary Gary Scheider was still there in the in the diaper. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I saw them at Ramshead in Baltimore, probably fifteen years ago now. At this point, uh, and they they went on stage at like eight fifteen, and I called it a night at twelve thirty, and they were still going. Um, the dude in the diaper spectacular diaper and nikes and so like you see a guy in diaper and nikes but then you also see him as a musician just calling the shots he's calling who's taking solos he's pointing out who's gonna who's on the next song he's calling the next song because apparently they don't even go into the show with a set list it seems like they're just like let's do flashlight now and uh yeah when when i saw them they did an approximately 45 minute rendition of flashlight they took such a long solo time period in there that we forgot what song they were playing <laughs> and then suddenly they came back to the head with the bump 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 and back to the groove yeah i was like they're still playing flashlight holy shit it's uh, awesome. It was pretty spectacular. Yeah, I remember. Th- I remember a similar experience. Uh, Gary Scheider, by the way, passed away in 2010. He was a brilliant, brilliant musician. Rest in peace. You know, yeah, the the diaper was, uh, you know, a fun gimmick, and a, a lot of the guys in the band had a had this or that gimmick. But um, he was just uh, absolutely a monster on the bass and and band leader, like you said. So anyway, we I, we're I feel like we're way off topic, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should actually get to the show. What do you think? Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, it was a fairly short show, two and a half hours. So we got a little bit of time in this Yeah, we can afford go, a right? diversion. We can talk plus, a there's, plus, there's a good chance that some of these guys on the card were either in Parliament or in the Oak Ridge Boys at some point. So it's, I'm pretty it sure Ric Flair was in the Par- Oak Ridge Boys. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Flair was in there. Um, you can you can hear in there like a lot of their songs. Da, 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 woo! In the back. Yeah. So. It's just like that. All right. First up on the card was Doug Gilbert, who is the brother of Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, who we'll see a little bit later, versus the Great Muda, who's managed by Gary Hart. Doug Gilbert is a last minute and I think super last minute replacement for JYD be. because <laughs> JR announces it like at the top of the show. Um, I tried to figure it out. It, it just said that JYD couldn't make it to the event. So I don't know if he got stuck at the airport. He nodded out in a bathroom somewhere. I don't know what JYD was doing. Um, but uh, I don't know that it would have been an, any more of an inch. It probably would have been a worse match, honestly, if JYD had shown up for this. He was busy filling in with uh, Parliament, probably. <laughs> yeah. He got he was, called in. He was dog man in uh, Parliament. A lot of people don't remember that. He would just dog at me, baby. Bark over the tracks. Yeah. 
This is basically a three-minute squash match for Muda, who looks uh, amazing. Um, he's got yeah. the red face paint with the black markings. He does <laughs> some crazy stuff. Uh, my favorite thing in this match was when Muda does this flying crossbody over the top rope to the floor, and there's a fan like like two feet away who completely <laughs> misses it because yeah. he's mugging for the camera. <laughs> yeah. He suddenly looks over and realizes he's just missed the spot of the match. And like, you can kind of see the disappointment on his face. Good. Uh, yeah. I hope he crashed his car on the way home too. What a rube. <laughs> yeah. The great Muda announced as the Pearl of the Orient. Mm. Uh, Muda used to scare the crap out of me. Cause this was the time period where I was watching WCW like, saturday show and like the wwf and i didn't really know that there was a difference between them i was just like wrestling's wrestling and it's all all the same they're everybody i didn't know that there was different companies and stuff and so like i would just like muda would come out and be like all right that guy's scary he's spraying <laughs> shit in people's eyes and like he's doing crazy kicks like he is so fast uh he does a beautiful moonsault to finish this match off and you can tell that they're dragging this match out a little bit because it should have been done in 30 seconds. Like there's <laughs> great Muda versus Doug Gilbert. Come on. This is, this is, this should <laughs> yeah. be done. I'll talk a little bit more about what I think happens uh, with that. Uh, yeah. Muda obviously wins with the moonsault and a beautiful, beautiful match. Yeah. It was an impressive win. Uh, he starts to, uh, to whoop on, um, Doug a little bit and Eddie comes out to save his brother. Um, JR calls a hip toss a European takeover uh, in this match. You got to get fancy. It's the pay-per-view. It's the pay-per-view. You got to be fancy. I guess. Next up is a flare promo. It's absolutely classic. <laughs> oh my god. He is out of his goddamn mind. What a maniac. To beat the man! You gotta beat the man! Woo! He's so good. I could watch those oh. things all day long. Oh my god, him and Dusty, just oh geniuses, geniuses. Did you watch? Uh, so Rich and I both. Well, Rich found, and then I um, have followed on uh, the No Context Dusty Facebook page, which posts <laughs> these video clips of Dusty Rhodes uh, promos. Uh, just a new one every day, and they're incredible. He's high fiving a gorilla today. Um, <laughs> But the one that I really liked was, uh, I think it was a prank as a prank call. Somebody in, uh, impersonating Dusty calls up Flair and starts insulting him and telling him he's gonna, he's gonna beat him and all that stuff. And Flair like just goes with it. He's like, well, let's do it, man. Let's do it. And he gets all amped up. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, they had a good one the other day with uh, Magnum TA too. That was that was pretty spectacular. Dusty talking about how pretty they both are and stuff. So. That is that is a a good follow on Facebook. The No Context Dusty account is pretty brilliant. Yeah, shout out to whoever's running that. Great job. Next matchup is Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Ranger Ross. So Ranger Ross is actually an Army Ranger. I looked this up. He served he for eight eight years. He was uh, in on the uh, invasion of Grenada, apparently. Um, and Hacksaw Butch Reed, of course, is an absolute unit and a and a just a beast of a man. Um, they guys, they're about the same height, but Hacksaw has like 40 pounds of muscle on good old Ranger Ross there. Um, this match goes, goes a little longer than what I thought it should. And I think that's because they took some time that would have been JYD versus Muda and added it onto this match. And so, cause like Butch Reed and Ranger Ross are kind of looking gassed by, the, <laughs> by the time they, they end this match. And it's just kind of like, all right, guys, 
you you should be done by now. But they this this was a good match too. I I enjoyed this. Ranger Ross has breakaway camo pants, which I thought was. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he does like a Rick Rude hip swivel at the beginning. I'm like, that's how is yeah. that part of your army gimmick? That that doesn't make sense. Are you the sexy ranger? I, yes. don't, I don't know. He's uh he's bringing it, and also he had a color guard bring him out. I was just like, that's good use of tax money. Yeah, <laughs> send the color guard down to the arena to escort a wrestler out. That's that's good. Butch Reed's theme though. Boy, that was a sexy song. Uh, <laughs> it's another sexy one. It's not quite Jake the Snake level, but I was jamming. <laughs> That's the one that should get your hips swiveling. You're yeah. Not, uh, not the color. Nobody swivels their hips to the color guard intro. What kind of freak does that? No. Sergeant Slaughter, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, he gets all hot off of that stuff. <laughs> Uh, Hexall is real slow and methodical throughout this thing. He's also healing it up a little bit. He uses yeah. a foot on the ropes for leverage a bunch of times. He gets caught finally, like by the ref, and the, but it's just kind of like your mom catching you stealing the extra cookies. She's like, hey, don't do that. Um, and the the end is kind of anticlimactic. He does like a diving shoulder block and then gets the pin. I mean, that was pretty. And it's an impressive shoulder block. Teddy Long rolls out to the ring at some point with a notepad, like he's building a stable because he's been fired as referee at this point uh because he was not on the up and up at the clash of the champions what? six i know you are kidding me player wasn't wasn't being a good player um <laughs> so uh i did enjoy that during this match the cameraman found like the four black people in the audience and showed them cheering like just because they're black wrestlers doesn't mean you need to find the four black guys that are chilling in the audience for this show. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate the representation effort. Thank you. Hashtag diversity. Yeah. I mean, good on those guys for coming down to, to uh, downtown Nashville. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I would have done that. Well, uh, yeah, decent match. Moving on. Anything else to say about that one? No. I got a kick out of Teddy Long. JR's going on and on about how he's fired. He has no business being there. And he's he's like taking notes like he's scouting. <laughs> yeah, great. he's got the uh the Jerry Curl going too. It's yeah, it's, it's a lovely thing. I love that guy. He I wish yeah. he was I know he's kind of aged out, but I kind of wish he was still around. He played like every role possible except for role wrestler. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, he really did. Uh, next up on the on the card here is Captain Redneck, Dick Murdoch, which is an outstanding nickname uh, versus cowboy bob orton who could probably also be called captain redneck if you wanted to get technical about it um cowboy bob is with gary hart this is a bull rope match uh the commentary talks about orton partying too hard the night before maybe uh, i guess cowboy bob was a sort of known uh ganja enthusiast um his his eyes were all red that's what they were telling you anyway um, <laughs> his arm is healed <laughs> miraculously he's not in a cast what happened i guess i guess that 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 uh pesky wrist wrist uh break finally healed up for him medical so, marijuana yeah cbd doing plant. doing the lord's work I, I was um i was a little disappointed about the by this one i was yeah. i was in for some old school violence and it just it doesn't really go anywhere murdoch uses his boot as a weapon at one point which sure <laughs> good yeah uh and then he sort of hog ties orton with the bull rope for the pin yeah that was that was amusing he he like ties him up like a calf at the rodeo and like <laughs> and then pins him which was which was fun 
but yeah, I was I I immediately was like, somebody better bleed. This is a bull rope match. I want to see I want to see that bell cut somebody that because there's a giant cowbell on there and like and then like Dick Murdoch didn't even wear ring gear to the ring for this. So it's like, yeah, somebody needs to bleed. Someone someone needs to get hurt in this match. And my bloodlust was left unfulfilled. Yeah, tragic. Yeah, Dick Murdoch's dressed like he's going down to the tractor supply to pick up some uh, fertilizer or something. He just—it's <laughs> not even uh, just. I wasn't jeans even and thinking like a, fertilizer. I was thinking he just needs to get more bird seed for his bird feeders out <laughs> in the backyard. backyard. How tame this match was because, like, Dick Murdoch is a badass. He—he—he's a—he's a Stan Hansen type, and it just didn't show up in this match, which kind of broke my heart. Do you mean he has bad vision? I mean That's that he likes to really hit people. <laughs> but yeah, he probably does have bad vision too. That's a callback to a previous episode. You guys will have to go back and find that one. Um, so most of the action actually happens after the the win here. Um, Gary Hart attacks Murdoch. Uh, and then Orton puts the rope around Murdoch's neck and tries to hang him from the ring. Um, there's, there's some mass chaos here. There's the ref trying to sort of hold Murdoch's weight up, which, you know, good luck with that. JR keeps saying on the uh, commentary, he says, there's going to be some fines levied for this one. <laughs> so apparently <laughs> You're trying you, to kill a man. It's okay, fine. <laughs> if you hang a man to death from a ring, you, uh, <laughs> you, you get a fine. So watch out. <laughs> um, Michael Hayes is next with a promo. Oh. He's out. He's out to prove himself as a single talent. He says, I, I don't, maybe you can explain this to me. He says, remember this Lex Luger, if it wasn't for people like you, there wouldn't be people like me. I mean, I'm pretty certain that was like Michael Hayes, like big catch line, right? I think. Uh, but yeah, so like he's, Lex Luger cut the most boring promo possible before the previous match. Uh, and it's just kind of, he just kind of lingers there and he just kind of like talks like how he's a good guy and like Michael Hayes is trouble and he's never able to like really do his own thing. But I mean, what do you expect from a guy born on Bad Street, USA? And <laughs> so, but then Michael P.S. Hayes, I don't know what the P.S. stands for. We should try and find that out one day. Anyway, pretty sexy, right? Yeah. Doesn't it stand for pretty sexy? Does it? Okay. I think so. Michael Pretty Sexy Hayes. I'm going to say that now for now on, like Macho Man with Art Donovan. <laughs> you got to you got to say the whole thing. Yeah, if it, like he does, then in that promo and like the promo is super energetic because he talks about like how he doesn't need Terry Gordy and stuff like that and uh, other free birds to help him. He's his own man now, and he's going to win this on his own. And he's going to prove Lex Luger wrong. And that just remember, if it weren't for people like you, there wouldn't be people like me. I mean, it was a devastatingly good line, but it's like, I don't know what he's really referring to either. So is, is Lex Luger his dad? Is that, what he, is that what he's saying? That's that's the only logical conclusion you need to make at this point. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's purely sexy, not pretty sexy. Oh, purely that's sexy. My, my mistake. It's like, I'm pretty sexy. <laughs> Uh, I'm moderately sexy. <laughs> Michael M.S. Hayes. <laughs> Michael f- fair to Midland sexy. Michael solid six sexy <laughs> Hayes. <laughs> Michael leave the lights off Hayes. <laughs> anyway. Michael, let's do it from behind. Hayes. <laughs> Sweet Jesus, this is uh, this is our most X-rated episode to date. Uh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to mark it explicit on the iTunes, and then we're never gonna get any listeners. 
All right, let's talk about some actual wrestling. Let's maybe just talk the- about the Oak Ridge Boys some more than maybe. <laughs> It's almost like you don't want anyone to listen to this show. <laughs> There's some actual wrestling coming up. There uh, is. Some really good some really good wrestling. Good wrestling, um, yeah. It's the Samoan SWAT team, which is Samu and Fatu with Paulie Dangerously, that's Paul Heyman, versus the dynamic dudes, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas. Man. Uh so Fatu, of course, is Rikishi. Samu is another uh of the of the family. Polly gets some amazing heat. Oh my god! Introduction. <laughs> the fans are so fucking pissed. They yeah. ain't having it. Well, I mean, at the Clash of the Champions six, which we've jumped over, Paulie and the Samoan SWAT team have sent Jim Cornette's Midnight Express packing. They thoroughly defeated them, and in the South, you beat the Midnight Express. Mm, you're in trouble. People don't <laughs> like you. That's all you have to do is not is, is beat the Midnight Express, and you're instant mega heel and that is what paulie dangerously has done i don't really like the name the samoan swat team i get uh, i guess they couldn't call them the they can't call them the wild samoans or just the samoans probably but come up with something else at least head shrinkers which is moderately offensive of a name uh head shrinkers but it's something than samoan swat team like samoan death squad uh samoan strike force SWAT team, yeah, SWAT team definitely Im- indicates police, and that, that's not that's not their vibe. Yeah, the the announced team actually says that they need an animal trainer to deal with these two. Yikes! Eee. And it 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 helps too that the dynamic dudes who they're fighting are super over, and they basically look like the Rock and Roll Express mixed with Bart Simpson. <laughs> they're super generic they have blonde mullets they carry skateboards to the ring even though both of them are way too old to be carrying skateboards around Um, didn't you find something fun about shane douglas when you're looking at this his initial entry into wrestling his first gimmick was as paul orndorff's nephew troy orndorff (laughs) (laughs) hilarious uh, and it's it's interesting because uh troy is paul orndorff's actual son's name so I don't know if it was coincidental or the intentional, but interesting, interesting gimmick because Paul Orndorff needs a nephew. And I mean, this was common through like these Southern wrestling territories because like Ric Flair at one point was Arn and Ole Anderson's cousin and like Ole and Arn were supposedly brothers, but they're not. Yeah. Uh, So like this like whole concept of like, fake family thing and then even wcw continued that when they got into more of the modern era stuff and because they said that the big show when he was debuted as the giant they said he was andre the giant's son and big show actually talks about how heartbreaking it is still to this day that people remember that and people come up to him and say how much they loved his father in the ring and how much how great and talented his father was and he's just like he wasn't my dad it was a work please please stop doing this to me so yeah that's a that's a rough one yeah so rikishi here looks like a baby with a mustache uh he's like what did you say he is he's like 20 he's he's 24 24 yeah. yeah he's he's so He's not he's not small, obviously, but he's uh, super young. Um, and these guys really they go to work like they're they're fast, they're clean, they're strong. Uh, it's there's some they're like machines. It's oh, it's incredible, it's incredible. 
uh, one of the dynamic dudes. I I didn't differentiate between the two of them. It doesn't matter. He does a leapfrog and it catches a super kick to the face, like right at the end of it, which is amazing. Um, the ref one of my favorite parts was the ref yells at fatu and he makes like nonsense noises back at him like an angry squirrel (laughs) the the ref is telling him to quit doing whatever he's doing and he goes (laughs) (laughs) and at one point samu is drooling intentionally like large amounts of drool all over one of the dynamic dudes uh in the pen and so like they're really leaning into this whole thing because like JR calls them savages. I noted that Samu actually kind of looked like Jack Black and Nacho Libre in this match. <laughs> I think it's the hair. It's like the big frizzy hair, I think. Yeah, he it, totally like, does. Like uh they Paul E through this entire match though is also being brilliant on the outside of the ring. He's taking phone calls during the match. <laughs> He's talking shit to the people in the front row. At one point for some reason he grabs the mic while I think Shane Douglas is like being held down like a Boston crab. He grabs the microphone from the timekeeper and just screams, "You're as useless as a woman from Nashville, Tennessee." <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, like oh my god. Just in case is... you needed more heat on top of the beating the <laughs> right. midnight. Right. Like Paul, there isn't a lot of protection for you between the front <laughs> row and and this. Like all there is is that famous NWA like narrow gauge fence kind of thing that's just like two poles welded together. Uh it's it's not really good for protecting you <laughs> but there are some actually good moves in this match we should there's say, a lot of good moves not... there's a lot yeah, yeah there's a lot of good moves here they um they beat up on johnny and keep him from the tag for a long time yeah and they just they just keep grinding him down fatu does a really nice big splash um johnny oh, makes the save beautiful it was like perfect form that was great uh there's no way that felt good on his knees oh good god he was young though so and uh they did a double face break <laughs> for for a, a a double team which was interesting like they both like are standing there like holding uh his face and then like just rip alpha at it like ugh. uh i had never seen that done as like a double team move and uh fatu does a really really impressive and very very stiff short arm clothesline on shane douglas too at one point that i wouldn't have gotten up from if i had taken that i i like it was just mean like he followed through it looked like um jbl's clothesline from hell but a little stiffer (laughs) yeah this these are great i wasn't um I wasn't necessarily expecting these guys in the card here, and they they really they bring it. Um, the finish is Fatu picks up Shane for a pile driver, but Johnny comes jumping off the top with a drop kick, and then Shane uh, sort of drops on top of Fatu for the win. Um, I just wrote, "Hot damn!" That was a good, that was a good finish. Yeah, Great it was a match. good finish, and the crowd fucking explodes. Crowd loves the dynamic dudes, and I think mainly it's because they hate Paulie and the Samoan SWAT team so much. <laughs> That it could have been two jobbers getting this win and they would have like freaked the fuck out. So it was it was great. This was a really good tag match. 
Yeah, fantastic heels. Next up, we've got an interview with Luthez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk, who are going to be the judges for Flair versus Steamboat. So uh, it, it's got a 60-minute time limit on that match. But if it does go to 60 minutes, they're going to have judges at ringside to uh, to render a decision. So this is a, a not not all that frequently used gimmick for matches, uh, but it's kind of a cool one. Uh, it's, I think this is actually a brilliant placement for this because it, it made me hype for the match. Like it's, it's not even coming up yet. And I'm like, Oh man, yeah. I no, I really got to see this. Um, yeah. This, this interview is actually space filler for this is where the Oak Ridge boys concert would have happened. God if damn we it. were watching, watching it live. Um, so we would have been blessed with some four part harmonies and some gospel tastings here, but uh, we get to look at Luthez and Terry Funk and what's his name? Pat O'Connor Connell. Yeah. Pat. Yeah. Pat O'Connor. I, I, they said his name like 15 times and I still didn't get it. So I apologize. So he's from uh, New Zealand. He was a huge wrestling yeah. legend there. He was born 1924. Um, so he actually died the year after this was shot. Um, and Luthez, uh, of course, you know, absolute legend, uh, died 2002. Um, Terry Funk is still kicking despite all the odds, but he's of a different generation than those two guys. Um, but it was cool to see him here. I feel like Luthez probably could have come out of retirement and torn half of these guys in half with his bare hands if he wanted to. Probably. Yeah, he still definitely. looks tough. He looks tough. He looks like my great grandfather on my dad's side, Robert Becker, was in the army in the um I guess it would have been I guess it would have been between the the world wars, even because how old he was. But even at like eighty five, he was like just a badass looking motherfucker. <laughs> and he and Luthez kind of looked mm -hmm. like him. Um I feel yeah, like Fez still looks ring ready. He does. <laughs> like he's he's ready to he get does. in. He does, he looks great. All right, next up is P.S. Hayes, Purely Sexy. Michael, Purely Sexy Hayes, don't forget. With Hiro Matsuda as his manager versus Lex Luger. This is the United States Heavyweight Championship match. Eh, I don't know. Hayes is doing Both his best. Both men look like roast turkeys. They're gross. They're so gross. <laughs> Hayes is, uh, like, all brown and greased, but he's also really hairy. So usually, like, you get the, the shave at least. Come on, it's a good look. It's a it's good not look. A good look. It's, <laughs> no, it's a good look for his gimmick and character. Like it's a <laughs> it's good. And it's a good contrast against Luger, who is ultra shaved, probably never had a piece of body hair in his life, and is this like muscles on muscles like He Man. Like he looks like an action figure. Like he probably has like a rubber band and in his waist that keeps him from snapping <laughs> apart and like, yeah. There, uh, there are no uh, body hair removal salons on Bad Street USA. No, no, they have body hair adding salons on Bad Street USA. <laughs> That's disgusting. You get, you get like chest and stomach hair implants. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Did you like this match for a Luger match? I did. Uh, so like, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Lex Luger's ring work, but I thought he did a good job of selling to Hayes and Hayes is also doing a great, great job of drawing heat, uh, by stalling and like constantly bouncing out of the ring to get, get the fans angry at him for not fighting. 
Luger does do a pretty spectacular spot for a big guy where he went for a big flying crossbody or clothesline or something, and they end up both just going over the top rope in a very ugly, nasty fashion. Yeah, that was great. I like that he one. Does, yeah, he does some super impressive military presses because uh, Michael Purely Sexy Hayes is not a small guy, and he just keeps lifting him over his head and doing... Uh, massive military presses with him. Uh, the cameraman during this match became infatuated with this young lady that was in a beret with crimped hair <laughs> and like yeah. a low cut white top. Like, and she even like keeps looking at the cameraman, like, why are you looking at me? Kind of <laughs> like thing. Leave me alone. And I really like the finish to this match too. Yeah. It's a little chaotic. The other move that I noted was um, Hayes tries this bulldog, but Luger sort of uses his momentum against him and kind of like launches him across the ring. That was pretty great. Yeah. He, he does a bunch of like power moves like that like you said um yeah the ending is kind of chaos so lex bumps the so hayes is tied up in the rope lex bumps the ref and sort of gets knocked down in the scuffle uh and then terry gordy comes out of nowhere and sort of pushes hayes over off of the ropes where he's hung up so he lands on top of lex and the ref of course wakes up just to uh to get the the count and that gives hayes the win and the belt in a sort of disputed finish there they have a head collision and the ref is in the way too so like they both are kind of like knocked out from the head bumps and uh luger lands on the flat on the mat and uh hayes lands onto the ropes and is kind of like just propped up on the ropes and gordy gives comes out of nowhere and pushes him and like jr starts flipping out he so much for one to do it on your own i thought he wanted to do this on his own i can't believe like uh it's it's a good finish for this kind of match and it's really uh a great example of michael hayes solo stuff it's good stuff sorry michael purely sexy hayes yeah please (laughs) they'd actually continue that feud and lex luger would take the belt back after only like 14 15 days something like that so purely sexy didn't hold on to it too much longer but they would keep on fighting about it so next up is a promo from Sting, who's super amped and super smiley. Uh, I <laughs> couldn't even figure out what the hell he was saying. I don't know what the hell he was talking about. He was talking about how he loves seeing all the fans jumping around and doing crazy stuff. And um, he gives a couple of woos. Uh, I I just wrote that uh, methamphetamine is a hell of a drug. Yeah, he is amped. He's, he's hopped up on something. I don't know. Uh, I know he's a super Christian and probably not into the drugs, but um, he certainly seems to be tweaking a little bit here. That uh, is is a lead-in to Sting versus the Iron Sheik, who's managed what the by hell? A Rip Morgan. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. Um, this is the NWA World Television Championship match. Um, I what? So what? What? Ha- I don't. Uh, uh, why? Well, I mean, there's a lot of crazy things happening here. So before Sting actually comes out of the curtain, a a herd of children in Wrestle War t-shirts and makeup come running down the aisle too with him before he shows up and it's kind of weird and like some of them were with their mom and so it kind of had like this like bill murray and kingpin feel to where like bill murray's character like as like a side plot has been adopting all these children or like <laughs> or like sponsoring all these children that come from single moms uh kind of thing it was kind of a weird feeling to it and i looked it up that this is kind of this is probably Sheik coming back into wrestling after his cocaine arrest with Jim Duggan. I think that was in just like the year before this. 
and WWF had cut him cut him free from that. Gotcha. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that like it seems like everybody was more upset that Sheik, who was a heel, was riding with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who was a face. More people were more upset about that than you know the cocaine that he <laughs> was caught with <laughs> and going to jail for. That was a big deal. I mean, that was. I mean, I think that's probably one of the biggest um, sort of public incidences of breaking kayfabe like that. You know, yeah. in the in that that era when that was not a thing that you did. You know, sort of on pain of getting kicked out of the business which he kind of did for the better part of a year or more it was interesting too that Sheik insisted on being introduced as a former champion though he didn't have any entrance music and he didn't sing the iranian national anthem or do any kind of like feats of strength or anything like that but it was funny that he was like insisted on being introduced as a former world champion it's like you weren't a world champion here in wcw slash nwa so where were you world champion like i don't think i don't think they want to acknowledge you being world champion there um we contractually contractually we can't say it but just yeah so yeah i mean he he doesn't look great like he looks really he still looks like tough as hell right he still looks like oh my god your your uncle at the barbecue with like the muscles and the gut uh and he's very um like the gut's very, really hard like yeah the is gut's it a, hard it, is rock. it a tumor like what is, <laughs> no one knows how do you get punch it like though? That? I want to look like know. that. I'll take that look for my look. So this is this over is a, in like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird pairing for a match. Like if someone told me that sting and the iron cheek had a match, I would have been like, you're fucking lying. There's no way that match ever happened. Uh, but it did. And we watched it and she got a little bit of, of, offense but it's really just him attacking sting before the bell with the with the flag and choking him with his headpiece and then suddenly the sheik is in the corner takes a stinger splash and then suddenly he falls down and he's in the scorpion deathlock and loses like one the sheik taps out like he gives up to a submission move that's craziness so what the hell's happened here and then two was like the sheik is a world champion and this match is over in two seconds like wow (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's that's a little unusual. Two minutes, twelve seconds, bell to bell. But that does get us to a Ricky Steamboat promo. So if you um if you like Ricky Steamboat, I highly recommend our Chi Town Rumble episode because you get to hear Rich do his impression of Ricky Steamboat's promos, <laughs> um, and uh, and the world's most low key uh, promo. But uh, he's actually a little more animated here than than before so he's he's been working on it i think uh, he, he's, he's not still, so nervous he's not as nervous he still yeah. sounds nice and friendly though he still sounds like yeah. like he's inviting you to the barbecue not to an ass kick and he's just like right. well you know i I respect flair and we're gonna have a good match and i'm gonna win this time and i'm gonna live live there yeah he just kind of like talks and then i was i was upset because his little chubby baby isn't there in this promo <laughs> I'm like where's the baby <laughs> He always has the, the baby. I want to see the chubby baby in the in the karate gi. Come on, uh, but I, I didn't have to ho- wait long. Yeah, just hold on. Don't don't spoil <laughs> it for yourself. So that does get us to uh, what we're just going to go ahead and call the main event of this card. It's not the real main the, event. It's not in the main event spot, but that's I don't know what they were smoking over there at WCW. But this is Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat again. This is their third big matchup, and we're going to have to go back and watch Clash of Champions for their second big matchup. I don't think there's any way around it. But this is for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Ricky has the belt. Uh, Flair is the challenger. 
Uh, Flair gets introduced first, of course, in his robe, his magnificence. He has like 40 <laughs> he has women. 40 women come with him to the ring. Around the ring. Uh, when they get a shot out of him, none of them are wearing bras. None of and them. And it was cold in that arena. <laughs> <laughs> They jacked up the AC before they all came out. And then, of course, by <laughs> contrast, here comes Ricky with his wife and his kid. Uh, and this time, his fat baby is wearing a cowboy outfit and riding a pony, uh, <laughs> which is totes adorbs. I don't know which, I, don't know which I like better, fat baby in a karate gi or fat baby in a cowboy outfit. I don't know. I mean, the pony puts it over, right? <laughs> Like he's well because now Ricky has made the money winning the title. He can buy his baby a pony, and <laughs> he can't he can't ride it though. They have a trainer leading the leading no. the pony. That, that baby is useless. He's a fake cowboy. How do you, how is this not the main event? This is so much spectacle. Like Ric Flair comes out with his also Sprock Verasustra and the the sequined robe and 40 nipples right 80 nipples poking out eyes on the way down and then like well the turkey's done for sure look at that uh and then you have ricky steamboat showing up with his wife in an evening gown and his chubby little baby riding on the back of a pony and three judges just in case you know three judges three huge named judges sitting there watching ricky steamboat's fat fake cowboy baby you drag luthez to nashville for mid-card action (laughs) come on (sighs) maybe the main event was happening after his bedtime or something but maybe i don't understand how how is this not the main event the contrast is very telling, obviously. Um, and they did this for their Shy Town run, too. It's like, it's, you know, it's the family man, a devoted, uh, just down to earth good guy versus the, the, the dirt, <laughs> dirt the styling, profiling yeah. womanizer, jet flying, limousine riding, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, Woo! et cetera, et cetera. So I'm expecting some really fast, clean, technical, action lots of momentum shifts um and i think this match this match freaking delivers like this match uh, gives everything it's uh, a little over half an hour long they don't get to their full uh 60 minute time limit so they don't have to use the judges but they re- man i don't i don't even where do you want to start like um there's a couple of <laughs> they start by slapping each other in the face we'll just yeah. we'll just say that part <laughs> They slap each other, and then, like, it's interesting. So it's very much like a Kurt Angle kind of style match, too, where they're, like, both doing technical grappling holds and stuff like that. And then when they can't get the advantage, they fall back in the chops. And every single time that they fall back in the chops, everything breaks down, and it goes into chaos. The Like, a few minutes into this match, and then suddenly they're chopping each other back and forth, and... Both of them are putting on these amazing facials of anger and aggression, and they're chasing each other around the ring just to land these chops. And it is something I've never seen before, the way the way every single one of those exchanges happens. And it happens like five or six times throughout this match to where just everything stops and it's time to do some chopping in the woodshed. Like, it's <laughs> so good. 
it's almost like punctuation for the match you know it's like it's it's setting apart the different segments maybe we should go back and diagram it a little bit and like you kind of write down what happens between those chop sections but yeah that first one is the one i'm like oh shit this is this is going down because they like they chop each other in every single corner of the ring and they go and they hit a few of the side ropes just for good measure. Um, after that, they go to a sort of a test of strength kind of thing. And uh, Ricky does a Ricky gets the best of flair in that one sort of forces him down to the mat. So all during a, all of this flair is doing his amazing vocal selling that we've noted before. Oh, oh God. God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, there's the one moment where uh, Ricky has him in like a pretty rough uh, arm bar and the ref is like in Flair's face. Do you, do you give up? And you're, no, God damn it. <laughs> Come out of Flair. It's so good. Yeah, oh, that and was like, great. Steamboat's actually given us some vocalizing too, with some grunts and ah, uh, kind of stuff too. And uh, these guys just give us everything. I... I I don't understand like how the this is so good. It's just I it's mind boggling how good of a match this is. Um, there's a couple of really great exchanges. Again, this is relatively early on. Steamboat drop kicks Flair. Beautiful drop kick tosses him right out of the ring. Um, then Steamboat gets tossed through the ropes and he hits the floor and like bounces right back in. Like he like springboards basically yeah. off the concrete and like bounces back up and it goes right at flair um he ends up on top of flair on the turnbuckle and the with the punches and the the crowd is losing its mind for those punches uh flair flips upside down in the corner and gets stuck upside down so he gets wailed on in the midsection for a little bit um a couple of times somebody gets tossed over the top ropes which of course you know is a disqualification in the nwa but the ref can can rule that you know whether it was intentional or not intentional so they rule it that it's not intentional it kind of keeps going they fight on the floor for a bit ricky gets chopped over the rail <laughs> uh, yeah and flair goes to get a chair but the ref stops him then they chase each other around the ring and ricky comes off the top rope with a chop and flair does his just amazing face bump you know where he staggers around and just yeah. falls over like a tree on his face Ugh, this man yeah, I kinda, steamboat does amazing selling in that bit where he gets chopped over the rail into the fans he does some selling that is so good at getting sympathy from the fans he's like actually laying his head in the laps of the front row uh as like flair is beating on him and you can see it and like he's just got these like sad and pained facials right in the faces of the fans and oh my god it just melts you it just destroys you and then after that whole sequence uh ricky climbs the ropes but not in the corner he climbs the ropes in the middle and jumps off of them onto flair like i've never seen anybody do that like yeah. he just climbs them uh, like he's not at the turnbuckles or anything he just climbs the middle of the ropes just one foot in front of the other right on up like a <laughs> like, like a, a freaking ladder yeah just right right up. like like ninjas himself right on up and I, I had to pause. I rewound and watched that again just because it was so amazing to see. I, I've never seen anybody do that before. Yeah, it's an, it's incredible. Uh, they, they get back up in the ring and um, there's, you know, again, real like fast and furious. Uh, Ricky goes out over the top ring after Flair ducks a flying crossbody. Uh, Flair drops that knee uh, to the head. Just It looks so tough. He's a master at that one. That's one of his signature moves. There's a really 
good collision and both guys flip over the top rope together. Um, Ricky slams Flair off of the top turnbuckle. I, I wrote down there's so many reversals that this is exhausting. Yeah. Uh, and and the crowd is only getting hotter as it goes along. Like you would think they would kind of be like burned out, but they just keep like it just keeps going up. Like they go to eleven yeah. and then keep going. Um there's a superplex off the ropes. Ugh, beautiful. Yeah. And Flair's heel tactics are uh pretty spectacular. There's one moment where uh Steamboat is down near the ropes and the ref doesn't count the pin because uh steamboat's arm is underneath the rope. So he's out of bounds and flair is angry. And so while he's arguing with the ref, he has his leg across Ricky steamboat's throat, choking him. And like steamboat is flipping out. He can't do anything. And the ref is just like arguing with flair during it. It's such a good moment. It's so dirty. Um, and he has another just, good. He has another good one. Uh, Steamboat goes up to the top, but Flair like jerks the rope, and Ricky falls actually yeah. off, off, not just to the ring, but to the floor. Um, oh and yeah, then, quote unquote injures his leg there, and then yeah. of course Flair goes to work on that leg immediately and gets him into the figure four. Um, there's some. We're we're getting close to the end here. There's He's a in that sort of figure four forever. Yeah. Just hanging on, hanging on, and, you know, torturing that leg. Um, Flair sort of, so the finish, Flair kind of blocks a scoop slam uh, and flips it into an inside cradle because Ricky's knee is, you know, his leg is shot, right? He can, he can't do the, um, he can't lift their weight. Um, and so that's, that's how he gets the roll up and then the pin. Um, so it's a, it's a really, again, a smart, fast, technical, um, blink and you miss it kind of finish to a match that's just full of those kinds of moments. How do people not remember Ricky Steamboat's chops? Like, Flair is famous for the chops and the woo and stuff like that. But, like, Steamboat's chops were just as vicious and just as loud and just as beautiful as Flair's. And just as much as part of his attack and, like, offense as it is for Flair. But... You know, no one's talking about steamboat chops. They're always talking about flare chops. I don't know. Yeah, that's a travesty. They, it's incredible. The other move that he does that I think he does better than anybody else is that arm drag takedown. Like, I'd rather watch him oh, do that than yeah, it's so literally clean. anybody else in the business. Um, and I like the constant like motion from him. Like he's always he's always clapping his hands and popping his shoulder and like uh, just just constantly like. I, yeah. You get the the sense of this guy's just got so much energy to burn. He like every move just like flips around into the next move, you know, and he can't wait to get to it. He's like slapping his shoulder like he just can't in anticipation of the next arm drag. Yeah, and like he he knows where he's he knows where he's going. He's got the next three moves already calculated in his head. It seems like, and there's no wasted motions with anything either. So it's like arm drag takedown right into the arm bar, into the wrist lock. You know, it's just spectacular stuff. Like, and Flair, Flair and Steamboat Man, you just don't get that kind of chemistry in the ring anymore. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's something about their styles are just a perfect match. You know, perfect. Um, they can, they both can do technical and then they can both turn around and chop and get vicious and violent. Um, Ricky is the ultimate face, you know, the ultimate good guy and Flair is the ultimate heel, the ultimate bad guy. Uh, and you know, even their looks, you know, um, Ricky is, is sort of dark haired and sort of muscular Flair's a little more lean and blonde and a little bit, uh, you know, taller. And so it's just like this, uh, perfect yin and yang, you know, this, uh, 
this collision of opposites and they they just they put on such a good thing so i we still don't really know how this is not the main event but we are gonna have to move past it we're gonna have to get over it i think anything else you want to say about this match before we talk about the aftermatch section no uh just man this was a this was a doozy of a match and damn <laughs> i don't as ron don't simmons know. would say you know, yeah i kind of want to go watch it again now now that we're done talking about it i know me too <laughs> mm. maybe after lunch yeah so um there's some celebration in the ring um celebrating you know flair's win he actually does a pretty nice uh sort of acknowledging steamboat as a serious competitor um sort of a once in a lifetime not jerk moment for rick flair uh but then our ringside judge, you know, supposed to be uh, objective, uh, Terry Funk, comes up and interrupts because he wants to be next. Um, Flair sort of nicely kind of puts him off. He's like, oh, you know, you haven't been training for a while. You know, why don't we? Uh, but but Terry ain't having it. Yeah. So, like, he hops in the ring to con- congratulate Flair and then challenges him. But then Flair lands a, a real subtle, passive-aggressive attack. He says that, like, you know, there's there's a line of challengers to the belt. There's proper rankings that we need to follow. And, you know, you're you've been out in Hollywood with Sylvester Stallone uh, and you can't. And so you're not in the line for the challenge, but we can we can get you in there and uh, and like things and then like terry then backs off is like i didn't really want to challenge you and then he jumps him he sucker punches him on the handshake because he acts like he understands that he can't be in line the challenge and then uh flair takes a pile driver on a table that doesn't break (laughs) rough 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 bump and then terry funk calls him a horse tooth banana nose jerk (laughs) <laughs> wow yeah he throws a table on top of flair too and then attacks him with a chair um, yeah ugh, that's rough so uh i just looked it up this is may 7th 1989 terry funk's um masterpiece uh of of cinema with the one and only saint patrick swayze roadhouse came out may 19th of 89 so um like two weeks after this event uh roadhouse debuted in the cinemas so just just for you uh you st patrick aficionados out there or terry funk plays himself basically he does yeah <laughs> stay out of it dead that's his best line it's a great it's a great line and a great movie it is it is the movie okay so before we have another Oak Ridge Boys moment, we should probably move on. Um, so there's two tag matches to wrap this thing up. Um, both of them feature members of the Varsity Club. So the first match is Mike Rotunda and Dr. Death Steve Williams with well, we Kevin have a, Sullivan. A Nikita Koloff promo. Oh, I missed it. Yeah, he oh. cuts a promo as being the guest referee. And uh, it is the worst fucking russian accent you would ever hear in your life it sounds more like elmer fudd with a sore throat kind of yikes like it's uh i will count i will call this match fairly and it will be fair and it will be down the line and you cannot intimidate me so he just has a list basically yeah uh nikita koloff is not from russia if if you if you what? don't worry, he's not really Russian at all. 
Um, He's so. actually from Minnesota, which we yeah. talked about on our demolition episode. He worked at the same bar as Barry Darso and right. ended up in the same wrestling school with him. And then they ended up together in, uh, um, let's see, GCW and then what mid South, right. As a, uh, as Russian heels. So, <laughs> so I missed that. I don't know how I missed that. I must've taken a bathroom break or something. Yeah. You were in but the potty. I was. But he is the uh, guest referee here because they're expecting this match to be just so out of control. Um, and I mean, they're sort of they're right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Varsity Club with Kevin Sullivan in their corner, who is also a member of the Varsity Club, which that's not really fair, uh, versus the Road Warriors with their manager, Paul Ellering. This is the World Tag Team Championship match. Um, it's a short one. It's a violent one. Yeah. It's the uh, second time that we've seen Dr. Death in with the road warriors um and the second time that the ring has managed not to collapse under the weight of of them yeah i mean this match falls apart really quickly and the crowd loses its goddamn mind like they're just bananas uh and i i really don't even know what the hell was going on i know at one point nikita who is the guest referee kicks kevin sullivan out of the match he sends him to the locker room the road warriors get introduced and come in really hot they don't even take off their garb which i don't know if you noticed was black with silver spikes kind of reminiscent of demolition So yeah. maybe yeah. Road Warriors were trying to be Demolition, not Demolition trying to be the Road Warriors people. Bunch Think about jerks. that. Think about yeah, they, that. They jumpstart it while the fireworks are still going off, which seems a little yeah. bit dangerous, honestly. Um, yeah. yeah, Sullivan starts shit with the ref like almost immediately and gets ejected. So he's not a very good manager. Um, you gotta, you know, you gotta be a little more subtle about it, man. Yeah, and then uh, Steve Williams gets in the face of of Nikita and. And then eventually the match ends because like Nikita goes outside of the ring and gets jumped by Dan Spy or right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. By Spivey Dan Spivey and, Sullivan. and Kevin Sullivan, who came back out like three minutes after being kicked out. And they team up on on Nikita and they beat the crap out of him and the Road Warriors and everybody are beating, beating everybody up. Everything, everything goes to shit, which is sad because I wanted to see Mike Rotunda work and I wanted to see Steve Williams work and I wanted to see the Road Warriors work. But nobody really works in this match. It's just we could have seen this brawl at like any Nashville hot chicken stand. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, about 2 a.m. after the bars close. Yeah, down. The Road Warriors win by disqualification, and then a odd cover of Iron Man by Black Sabbath is played for their right? song. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I thought no. it was sort of the Road Warriors theme, maybe, but it was it's clearly a ripoff or a, just a really bad cover of Iron Man. Yeah. Um, well, he, uh, there's a couple of moments from Rotunda. He gets a beautiful drop kick early on, and he tries a crossbody and gets like reversed into a power slam. That was really tough. Um Dr. Death gets nailed with the doomsday device, but then of course Dan Spivey and comes down and beats up the ref and that's, that's no good for anybody. So the road warriors get the win by DQ, but no belts. Of course uh, we rip off iron man, one of two tag matches down to wrap this thing up. These are really, these are out of order. Like I know that the road warriors were the hottest thing ever, but like this, this should have gone before that flare and steamboat match we were talking about this a little bit where so like wwf has moved towards the big single personalities being the draw right hulk hogan macho man uh the single ultimate warrior even 
single competitors are the big draw and it's probably because their merchandise sells better while in everything else it's more men in the ring equals more interest more fan pop more money more attendance right the more people you can put on the card the more it draws so like if you even if you look at like wrestlemania one it's a bunch of matches and then the main event is a tag match with Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff and Mr. T and stuff. So I think it's it's still that kind of thinking happening here. Like Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, even though they've been putting on barn burners of matches and are huge draws, in NWA slash WCW's eyes and booking, they're not as big of a draw as the Road Warriors or as Varsity Club because Varsity Club is a four-man stable it gets lots of people in the ring and causes the chaos, which is what people love, supposedly. Hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point. And it goes, again, to sort of the difference that we've um, noticed before, which is, you know, the NWA is still here for the live audiences, right, and getting people to buy tickets to come to the shows. WWF is um, increasingly about the television exposure. So you don't need four guys when you can have two guys, right? right. That does bring us to the last match we've got the other two members of the varsity club that's dangerous dan spivey and kevin i don't look anything like a wrestler sullivan uh, versus the first family of professional wrestling that's hot stuff eddie gilbert and rick steiner uh, with missy hyatt uh, if this is for the nwa united states tag team championship um so this is supposed to be a hair versus hair match, but then at the beginning of this show, they announced that that stipulation has been removed because I guess of the intense personal rivalry between these guys and the NWA is not going to sanction that particular stipulation. I don't know. That, that didn't really make any sense to me, but um, this is a, the, the story they do here is a little bit interesting. So Eddie and um, Kevin Sullivan start in the ring um, but every time somebody's in the in the ring, the other member is outside beating on Rick Steiner, who apparently can't yeah. defend himself. Um, well, I mean, Dan Spivey is a big son of a bitch. He's huge. Six eight is what they say. <laughs> like the dude is just like towering over everybody, and he's and he's muscular and like he's like. It's like Dolph Lundgren hanging out in the corner during a little person match. Like everybody else, this is dwarfed by him. And he he immediately jumped Steiner on the outside of the ring and like slammed him shoulder first into the ring post like five times. Uh, I think he was only supposed to do it once, but the cameraman kept not getting switched to to show it. <laughs> so he kept doing it until the cameras got it. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, they, and then he just left, uh, Steiner there for dead. And in the meantime, Kevin Sullivan beats the shit out of Eddie Gilbert in the ring. Yeah, this is, it's, it's not a great match. Um, it is kind of interesting. There's some interesting little things happening in this match. Uh, you have, uh, a super hot tag eventually to Rick Steiner once he, regains consciousness and realizes he's in a wrestling match again uh, at one point eddie gilbert uses an eye rake to get out of a pin i don't know if you caught that i thought that was a really i've never seen that as a kick out maneuver to escape yeah, me neither before. me neither <laughs> like wow okay um i guess they're fighting dirty so it's fine uh and it has a it has a Good finish, though, to it. I will give them that, that they put together a nice finish. The ref misses a tag to Steiner, and then uh, Spivey comes into the ring to uh, 
jump uh, Eddie Gilbert, and then the ref turns around to force him back out of the ring. But while the ref is doing that, Steiner runs in and clotheslines Kevin uh, Sullivan who into a roll-up pin, and Gilbert gets the win. Yeah, that was clever. That was uh, That's when I actually had to back up and watch it again to see what actually happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, basically, once they beat up on Steiner in that initial uh, couple of exchanges, this is sort of a handicap match, and Eddie Gilbert is in the ring by himself pretty much the whole time, and they keep him from getting the tag. Um, so, yeah, there's a big pop for that hot tag eventually. Um, and then it doesn't get quite the heat on the missed tag that we saw on that uh, Heart Foundation match against Demolition on the last web episode, but um, but it's pretty close. I mean, the crowd is standing through like almost all yeah. of this match. It's insane how they're into it, and I guess I guess Varsity Club has a whole lot more heat than what I thought they had. I think is really, really a story here. Yeah, I think so too. I think people really hate Kevin Sullivan and some of these other guys. Well, we remember from. Uh, which one was that? Chi Town Rumble, I think, right? Kevin Sullivan. Scott Steiner's dog. And yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Who does that? What a dirt. Um, oh. So yeah, so Sullivan uh, gets a chair and threatens Missy Hyatt, which another dirt move. Um, and Eddie eventually chases him off, and so everybody gets to celebrate. Um, so we get to uh, Jr. Uh, after the the match here, sort of does some announcements to kind of wrap up what's happened. He So he announces that Rotunda and Steve Williams have been stripped of their titles for the attack by Sullivan during their match. And he goes on about how you can't, you know, beat up the refs and um, he's drawing comparisons to other sports and like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You can't beat up the refs. Um, so that actually led to a tournament for the titles on episodes of WCW and then the semifinal and final rounds were at Clash of the Champions 7 to establish new tag team championships. Um, and there's no report on Flair's medical condition after that brutal attack by Terry Funk, but those two would uh, feud and then eventually fight at the Great American Bash, which now I want to watch next. So that's kind of the aftermath of this particular event. So um, I'm, I'm we're going to just skip the best match. I think we I think we know what what that is. We don't need to talk about that i don't know i want to talk about that match for another 45 minutes uh clearly clearly the best match was uh great muda versus doug gilbert yeah obviously no (laughs) no it's definitely rick flair and steamboat but if you disqualify that match because it's it's kind of like a given kind of like how it's a given that demolition blogs in the WWE hall of fame. We don't even need to talk about it. Uh, the neck, my next favorite match would probably be the dynamic dudes versus the Samoan SWAT team. Yeah. I think that'd be my pick too. Um, that was a really stellar match. And again, sort of, I didn't quite expect that to be here. So, um, and the worst match, what do you think? Worst match. I'm probably, I might actually have to throw that on Dick Murdoch versus Bob Orton, uh, in the bull rope match. Uh, mainly because it's just disappointing that it wasn't, it, I expected more out of that match. Not that it was a, really a bad match because there really wasn't any bad matches on this card. Uh, but I probably expected more out of that one. And so I was kind of sad by that. Yeah, that would probably be my pick too. I mean, even the Sting versus Iron Sheik, like they, they did what they needed to do, right? There's there's a little jump start. there's a little offense, there's some nice selling, there's this there's a stinger splash and a scorpion deathlock and it's right. you know it's fast but it's a, it's at least that matches exactly what i expected to happen yeah exactly you know 
Uh, and did you have an oh shit moment for this card? I don't know. If, I don't know if I thought about this one. Probably my oh shit moment is going to be that first exchange of chops in the Ric Flair versus Steamboat, where they're going from corner to corner, chasing each other, chopping the shit out of each other for an extended period of time. That one, that one probably got me. Oh shit! They're really going for it here. Uh, kind of thing. Yeah, that was a beautiful one. Uh, I mean, I, mine would be from that match as well. I'm not entirely sure which one. I liked Ricky running up the ropes <laughs> in the middle of yeah. the damn in the middle of the damn ring. I also really liked that move where he got flipped out of the ring and then just pops like right back up and goes directly at Flair again. I'm like, holy shit, that was that was brilliant. Like, just no no second thought, no pause, no nothing. Just just straight back into the aggression. So we don't really do, uh, you know, overall ratings and stuff for uh, for these not just WrestleMania's cards, but um, overall, I think you know, obviously, we really enjoyed this one. It had some had a few down spots. It had some weird sequencing. It had some last minute changes that kind of affected the the overall feel. Um, anything overall that you want to say about this one before we wrap up? So since this one was like a month after the WrestleMania five, I'm just like sitting here, like flipping back and forth between the cards. And I'm just like, so like, obviously WrestleMania five had Hogan and Savage in the main event. And that's really, so it's almost like they're really similar events because that is Hogan. Savage is probably the equivalent WWF equivalent to a, a Ric Flair steamboat kind of match. But I don't know which one I would have liked better. I probably would have liked WrestleMania five better because it, it's it's very much a contrasting product at this point too. So like you have WrestleMania five had fourteen matches on the card, with the longest one being seventeen minutes with Hogan and Randy Savage, and but like that one you felt every minute of. But I could have watched Steamboat Flair go for another. 15 20 minutes probably i could have i could have been happy with that being like an iron man match so i uh, yeah i mean we're getting to the point where i feel like we can't compare them or or really like you don't like they're they're really drastically different they're different shows different styles uh different types of wrestling yeah i i enjoyed this show quite a bit and now it makes you kind of understand like the old timers back in those days talking about, well, there's wrestling and then there's wrestling and uh, we just watched a wrestling show. Yeah, this is definitely the latter. And you're right. It's, they are becoming such different products. Um, it's not even really Coke and Pepsi here anymore. It's like, I don't know, well, Coke and Sprite or something. They're just, they're just different. They're just, they've gone in, in different directions. They've gone to, for different audiences and the stars and the talent that they push are sort of a reflection of those differences. So, but it's, yeah, again, I, I really enjoyed watching this. It does make me want to watch some more, just like the uh, Chi Town Rumble one did that made me want to watch more of this stuff. I think Great American Bash is going to be uh, one on my list. Uh, we have had a v- uh, listener request for Super Brawl 3, which is a WCW pay per view from 1993 that includes some good stuff. Um, so if you are into this era and, uh, you know, WCW, NWA shows, you have ones that you think we really ought to watch and review, you know, again, give us a shout out on Twitter at WrestleMania pod, shoot us an email at all the find us on Facebook and Instagram, um, find us on all the We'd love to hear from you. 
So to wrap up, uh, as we always do, and it's just take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen who are no longer with us. Our in-memoriam list includes Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, Manager Gary Hart, Hacksaw Butch Reed, Dick Murdoch, Lou Thez, Pat O'Connor, Hiro Matsuda, Terry Gordy, Interviewer Lance Russell, Road Warrior Animal, Road Warrior Hawk, and Dr. Death Steve Williams. In our WrestleMania 22 episode, we erroneously listed William the Refrigerator Perry in our In Memoriam section. William Perry is still alive, and we apologize for the error. So that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. So long. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.